1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Friday, July the 1st, 2022, in the year of our Lord. If you made resolutions on New Year's Day, but you've been procrastinating, haven't followed through, don't worry about it. You've still got 183 days left in this year. We're about halfway through, aren't we? Today on July 1st, 1966, the Medicare federal insurance program went into effect. Today in 1863, a very pivotal three-day Civil War battle of Gettysburg began in Pennsylvania. Later, President Lincoln would memorialize that battle with his famous speech. Today in 1867, Canada became a self-governing dominion of Great Britain. British North American Act took effect on that day, today, 1867. Today in 1944, delegates from 44 countries began meeting at Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. They agreed to establish the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. That all began formally today in 1944. Today in 1963, the U.S. Post Office inaugurated its five-digit zip codes I remember that everybody was talking about. How are we going to remember all those numbers? Well, we figured it out, didn't we? Now there's four more. Today in 1973, in many cases. Today in 1973, the Drug Enforcement Administration was established, the DEA. Today in 1991, President George H.W. Bush, not known for his conservatism, really, he nominated none other than Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court one of the greats of all time, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many. He is truly a conservative and a constitutionalist. And he has the courage to speak out and do his job. Today, in 1997, Hong Kong reverted to Chinese rule after 156 years as a British colony. I saw several international stories today published in you know international uh, news organizations. They were talking about China's regret in, uh, in, in this matter. I didn't read the article, but I they're talking about it today in different places around the world. But today in 1997, Hong Kong reverted to Chinese rule after 156 years as a British colony. And finally, today in, in 2015, the United States and Cuba declared they would reopen embassies in each other's capitals. The Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? There's a lot in that verse. There's an entire sermon I have preached it and thousands of others have as well. But let's remember today as we walk through a very messed up world and culture in our country and around the world, really, but particularly here in America. Our flame is flickering. It's not as strong, it's not as bright as it once was. I want to talk about some of those reasons today, but I also want to talk about American pride. I'll come back to that in a moment. Governor Jay Inslee on or yesterday formally directed the Washington State Patrol to decline invest, uh, investigations requested related to abortion from states that prohibit or significantly curtail access. Governor previewed the move over the weekend in the wake of the U.S. Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade. He's now saying as a result of this flagrant disregard of established constitutional rights and sound legal precedents. He's talking about Roe v. Wade and it being overturned. He can't quite get over this. Neither can his colleagues on the far left. Over half the states in this country already have or will soon ban or severely restrict access to abortion care and services. Governor Inslee's directive says, it says this means that where a person lives in this country will determine how equal and free that person is. Well, if everybody takes that to heart, all the conservatives will move to Idaho or whatever. I mean, but anyway, he says, uh, he says, we are already seeing anti-choice leaders' efforts to attack sanctuary states like ours to reach beyond their borders to criminalize and punish those who lawfully provide or seek abortion services that are protected under Washington law. His order specifically prohibits the Washington State Patrol from cooperating with most out-of-state subpoenas, warrants, and court orders. In other words, don't try to intrude into Washington to in any way inhibit our ongoing abortion industry. I'll tell you, he says that <laughs> he says that his uh, state uh, state law that State law requires enforcement to review each request with the state attorney general and the governor's general counsel. In other words, he says, if I can't keep you out of the state, if you're trying to enforce your laws that we don't agree with, he says, I'll just turn it over to to Bob Ferguson and he'll take care of you. And he he, will, I'm sure. He has a history of doing that to people he don't agree with. I'm thinking of the florist. Barronelle Stutzman in Richland, and others. Inslee's office noted that while the governor lacks jurisdiction over local police departments and sheriff's offices, the state law bars all law enforcement from penalizing, prosecuting, or taking any adverse action against patients exercising their reproductive rights. Washington is and will remain a sanctuary for anyone seeking abortion care and services in our state, the governor says, but we must act to protect our rights, and our values. The governor says to that end, it is critical that our law enforcement agencies not cooperate in any manner with any out-of-state investigation, prosecution, or other legal action based on other states' laws that is inconsistent with Washington's protections of the right to choose abortion and provide abortion-related care. I talked about last week that Governor Inslee and Kate Brown, Governor of Oregon, and Gavin Newsom, California Governor, they created a pact formally. I called it the Unholy Trinity. They're going to work together to enhance, not only enhance, but expand the abortion industry. I think many of you know that are listening in Washington State, but Washington was the nation's first state to legalize certain abortions through a referendum <clears throat> happened in 1970. And voters approved a ballot measure 20 years later that further protected abortion rights until a fetus is viable. Viable is the key word for abortionist because who decides when the child is viable? Well, generally, it's the abortionist. And if you make your living, and in fact, get quite wealthy, as some have, by doing abortions, you're probably going to think they're not viable unless they're walking out of the, you know, the the office or the, uh, walking out of the the room at the clinic. So, I mean, guys that do abortions generally think you should have one, and they do it. Kind of like if you want to get get advice on whether you should have a surgery or not, you go talk to a surgeon. You just need to keep in mind that that's what they do. They do surgeries. They surge. So that's kind of, it's, it's kind of a circled wagon, kind of an effect in the abortion industry. I mean, they've got the people who do the abortions and profit from it deciding, you know, on this viability issue. And that's been a problem for quite quite some time. I want to take just a moment today to thank you for your support. We, we need it. Each month on the first day of the month, which is today, in this case, July 1, um, we pay our bills, and broadcasting is expensive. We write some pretty big checks today, the first of every month, and we pay on time. We don't have any lingering debt in the sense of not paying our bills on time, and I give the glory to God and the thanks to you. Uh, because you stand with us. And I want to encourage you to do so. These are troubling times. They are changing times. They are uncertain, unstable times. Um, There's just so many things at play, and I won't go through it. You know what they are. And I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but I cannot overstate the importance of all of you who support to stay with us and stand firm with us because we need your support. And if you think what we're doing is worthwhile, it's a benefit to the kingdom of God, it helps people, it helps you. I would ask you if you're not supporting us, please prayerfully consider doing so. We need you. I need you. If God speaks to your heart, I know you'll do the right thing. And if if you don't feel led to do that, I understand. Just don't just keep listening and don't support it. But if, if you feel that you should be a part of this, maybe with a one-time gift, maybe a larger gift. Some people do that from time to time, maybe regularly every month. But this program, exi- it is very expensive to be on the radio. I'll, I'll just tell you that flat out. And so we need your help. Stand with us. We pay our bills, as I said, on time. Thanks to you. And we give the glory to God. And I, I am I'm humbled each month. Because you and the Lord have blessed our efforts. And I just ask you to please continue to do so. And if you have not, please join us. We need you. We welcome you. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, 98009. You can go to our website, faithandfreedom. It's A-N-D, freedom, all one word, dot U-S, Not .com or .something else, but .us. There's several Faith and Freedom websites now. So don't get on the wrong one. One of them is Muslim. And you'll think I've really lost my direction if you get on that website. Ours is .us, faithandfreedom.us. And you can uh, contribute there, and a lot of people are doing that. Thank you in advance for standing with us. After a grueling month of pictures and breathless reports of parades and parties and expressions of pride, quote unquote, pride regarding gender dysphoria, unnatural sexual behavior, general confusion regarding human sexual behavior, could we take a deep breath this morning as we begin the 4th of July weekend, which is Monday, of course, could we take just a deep breath on this first day of the month that isn't Pride Month, and ask if anybody is still proud to be an American. Gallup asked that question. In fact, they've been asking it for more than 20 years. Fox News asked that question as well. They've been doing it for the last three or four years. I want to talk about some of the things they found and how it relates to us, and I want to kind of answer some of the questions that they're asking as a result of their surveys, because... Both Gallup and Fox News, interestingly enough, found almost parallel responses. Not much difference at all. I'm looking more at Gallup simply because they've been doing it much longer than Fox, and they're not conservative, but their results are very much the same as Fox. But according to their new survey, Gallup, they found a record low 38% of U.S. adults say they are extremely proud to be an American. They conducted the poll from June 1 through 20. That's always important is when. Gallup notes that the measure has been on a steady decline since 2008, when 58% of Americans surveyed reported being extremely proud. Now, there's another component to that proud part of of the number of people. It's the, I'm just proud, not extremely proud. So we'll factor that in as we go through this. But this year's poll also found that the larger pool of respondents reporting that they were either extremely proud or very proud also shrunk to 65 percent from 85 percent in 2013. fox in their poll did a some charts that gallup did not do but i'm sure the, the the numbers would be about the same had they done this but fox also pulled democrats republicans and independents as a category what they found was uh, are you proud of our country today, not the past, not tomorrow, but today. The Democrats, 46% of Democrats said, yes, they are proud of America. And 48% said, no, they're not proud of America. Republicans, 36% said they're proud of their country today. 60% said they're not. Independents, 29% said, yes, I'm proud of America today. 64% of independents said, they were not looking at the genders yeah. men 41% say they're proud of america back in june of 2017 according to fox's polls 58% of men were proud of america women 36% are proud today 44% were not were proud in june of 2017 black voters of black voters say they're very proud of America today. But in June of 2017, 34% of black voters said that. But interestingly enough, Hispanic voters in June of 2022, 35% said they're they're proud of America. In other words, they're pleased with the way it's going. And 57% of Hispanics said that they are not. That's significant, and that is my point today, so I'm not going to get into it, but that's significant because the the Democrats have generally, just as a matter of fact, assumed that all Hispanics and Mexicans were going to vote for them. And that's kind of been true, but that doesn't reflect that, and I think things are changing dramatically, and some of the Hispanic leaders are saying, hey, uh, you have... you have not appreciated our vote and support, and we're not interested, and we're checking out, and they are. And more and more Hispanics are voting for Republicans and conservatives. Gallup gives their bottom line on these numbers, and I'll just touch on what they think. I want to get to what we think from a biblical worldview. They say although Americans' national pride is at or near historic lows, depending on the measure, a majority of U.S. adults remain proud to be an American. This dimension of patriotism has been subject to change throughout the years, so this isn't a new thing they're saying that it changes, but this is the lowest it's ever been since they started taking those polls. They say there's a lot of things that that factor into this, like 9-11, back when it happened, that was certainly a, fa- <clears throat> excuse me, a factor, and there are other things that they talk about. They talk about deepening political divisions, party gridlock in Washington, D.C., and Covid-19 policies and you know the debate over masks and shots and all that kind of thing. But they also suggest that the record low overall levels of national pride are the results of the pandemic and skyrocketing inflation. They're trying to connect the skyrocketing inflation to the pandemic. That's not accurate, and I think they would know that. What is should be connected is the policies of this president. And I don't say this in a political partisan way. I'm just saying. His policies are creating this disaster in the economy. They know that, but they didn't say that in their, kind of their summary. The Consumer Price Index has reached its highest point in 40 years. One gallon of gas costs more than $5, they said, honestly. A gallon in parts of the country, and one study found that the cost of the average 4th of July barbecue coming up on Monday will be up 17% over last year. So if you're going to Barbecue some dogs and some hamburgers. It's going to cost you 17% more than it did last year. I think Gallup is right. They've been doing this a long time. But I want to talk about the root cause. President Biden and especially his sidekick, Vice President Harris, are always talking about the root cause. We're going to root out the, the, the cause of this, that, and the other thing. I want to talk to you a little bit about what I think is the root cause, as to why there's a diminishing number of people who can honestly say they're proud of their country today. We're not talking about overall today. The passengers, the passengers, the early arrivers, like William Bradford on the Mayflower, later John Winthrop on the Arbella, they saw a city on a hill where the eyes of all the people shall be upon us. Those are their words, not mine. They saw that when there was nothing. In their minds and in their spirit, they imagined a beautiful nation being built on this continent. The passengers of the Arbella who left England in 1630 with their new charter, they had a great vision. They believed that they were to be an example for the rest of the world, not in progressivism, but in rightful living. Future Governor John Winthrop stated their purpose quite clearly and I'm quoting from their writings. He said, We shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. The Arbella was one of 11 ships carrying over a 1,000 Puritans to Massachusetts that year. It was the largest original venture ever attempted in the English New World. The passengers were determined to be a beacon for the rest of Europe, a model of Christian charity, in the words of the governor. By the end of the 1630s, nearly 14,000 more Puritan settlers had come to Massachusetts and the colony began to spread. In 1691, the Plymouth Colony, still without a charter, was absorbed by the Massachusetts, their burgeoning neighbor to the west. Historians tell us the great experiment seemed to be a smashing success. Nobody could believe that they won and beat the ocean and the odds of even getting across it and that they had landed and that they had built such a thriving community so quickly. Indeed, it was. An elected legislator was established in those first years, echoing the commitment of self-government. Although ministers at first were prohibited from holding political office, later they could, but at first they weren't. Many of the most important decisions were made by the clergy. I think most of us know or we've heard that Harvard College was founded in 1636. This was during that tremendous time of blessing and expansion and building. It was open for the express purpose of training Christian ministers. That was the purpose of Harvard. The original motto of Harvard was Truth, Veritas, for Christ, Christo, and the Church, Ecclesia. It was adopted in 1692. It was part of their original seal. The motto can still be found in multiple places on Harvard's campus. I've walked around and looked at them. They're there. I've seen them personally. Interestingly, the top two books on the shield of the face or the emblem of Harvard in its founding days showed two open books with a third book on the bottom of the seal that was upside down, face down. And that was to signify, it symbolized, the limits of reason and the need for God's revelation. When the seal was later revised, some years later, all three books were seen face up, symbolizing a belief that there is no limit to man's reasoning and that God's revelation is no longer needed. If I stop talking now, you get the point. I'm not going to stop, but if I did... Harvard's Rules and Precepts was adopted in 1646 and it was given to all of the incoming students and it said in part, and I put this in an article that I wrote today on the website faithandfreedom.us, rules and precepts for the new student. Here's part of it. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider, well, the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. John 17:3, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge. Their spelling is quite different than ours today. It's English, but it's quite different. And I'm so I'm reading very carefully here because I put the original spelling of their statement verbatim in the article I wrote. Anyway, the the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning and seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom. Wisdom is spelled. W-I-S-E-D-O-M-E, by the way. Let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it of him. Proverbs 2.3. It continues, Everyone sh- shall so exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day that he shall be ready to give such an account of his proficiency therein, both in theoretical observations of language and logic, logic is spelled L-O-G-I-C-K, and in practical and spiritual truths, as his tutor shall require, according to his ability, seeing the entrance of the word giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple. Psalm 119, verse 130. In the end, however, worldly concerns, the whole idea of progress and, and doing better, and there's nothing wrong with that, but most historians that are honest say that led to the decline in religious fervor. In the 1600s as it grew to an end. The flame of Christian passion and just it had become an ember, become a flicker by the mid-1700s. England began putting more and more pressure on the colonies because they were making more and more money. They were, they were very, very successful people by then in the colonies. Probably the two best-known preachers stepped up and they began to preach. They preached on the streets, they pre- preached in rented buildings, they pre- preached in pastures where the cows were, because they were not allowed in some of the churches. But they begin to preach liberty and freedom. Oh, not politics, but liberty and freedom, preaching from the Bible about what God says about liberty and freedom. And it stirred the hearts of the people, and there was what was called a Great Awakening. Jonathan Edwards famously preached a sermon during that time, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. His preaching literally shook the colonies. As many as 20,000 people came out to a pasture. To hear George Whitfield preach, they preached the gospel. They preached freedom in Christ, liberty for all. This was the run-up to the Revolutionary War. Patrick Henry told his colleagues, as they neared that time of the Revolutionary War, when people forget God, tyrants forged their chains. They were hearing the hammer of the tyrant. And so are we today. Patrick Henry was not the only man who felt that way, but he boldly said it out loud in public. He also said, give me liberty or give me death. We live in similar times, except the tyrants are not in England. The tyrants are within. They have abandoned, they have walked away from the very founding values of this country. And that's why fewer and fewer people are saying, I can't be proud of my country. I want to be, but I can't be. We have a government today that's led by people who apologize in Europe. Our president did so this week. He apologized in Europe because the, our court, which he demonized in front of the world, our Supreme Court said, no, our Constitution doesn't provide for you to kill unwanted, unborn babies. That's where we are today. We've marginalized the God who's blessed us. We've taught our children that reason is supreme over revelation from God. We've mocked those who don't evolve and cast off biblical biblical myths. Fourth of July weekend would be a great time to take a deep breath and look at what America could be as Bradford and Winthrop did as they sailed into that bay and set foot on this great continent. They saw that it could be A city on a hill, shining light across the world. Have a great weekend. I'll be here live on Monday.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.